Welcome to the round 14 Supercoach Coach podcast. I'm Marcus, and this week we're joined by Faz. Welcome back to the show. G'day, mate. Great to be back. And CJ, welcome back, mate. Hey, folks. Lovely to be back again. All right. Let's do around the grounds and have a quick check in on how we're going two weeks into the buys. CJ, do you want to kick us off? I had a pretty reasonable weekend until the GWS game, not owning cogs really hurt. I finished with uh, 1928, which was enough to push me up nearly one and a half thousand ranks. I'm sitting just outside the top 3k at the moment. So I think I'm, I think I'm the highest ranked of the podcasters, which is a nice place to be. How'd you go, Faz? Just pipped you this week, mate. I got 1962. Uh, so my rank is getting back to a more respectable, uh, it's five and a half K right now. So held steady last week and then up about close to 5,000 spots this week. So pretty happy with that momentum through the buys. My trades for the week were Doherty in, which I was very happy with. Zach Merritt wasn't the best game, but you know, you'll take a 90 in a, you know, reasonable loss from Essendon, which probably have a few more of those along the way. And unfortunately, Mitch Owens was another trade in for me this week. So that was a bit unfortunate that he uh, had the concussion and went out. Issues to deal with this week for me. Darcy Parrish, thankfully didn't trade him in just the week gone by. I've had a few weeks of Darcy, so got some of the good scores before his 51 sub out game, but I'll be anxiously waiting for team sheets and really until the game starts, he's going to be in doubt with that corky. Uh, and finally a chance to end the Jordan Degoe experience. <laughs> it's not been fun. Wouldn't recommend it to anyone. Can't wait to see the back of him. Marcus, how'd you go? Did you, uh, pip us all this week? No, sandwich in the middle. So you took the chockies for the week, Faz, 1952, but pretty happy with that considering I uh, had some poor scores. Zorko was frustrating, traded in Max Gorn. So finally on the Gorn train, just in time for him to score 70 after his 200 last week. That was unfortunate, but very happy. One player saved me this week, and that was trading in Harry Himmelberg, which... <laughs> <laughs> He's in less than 1% of teams, like 300 people traded him in. And somehow off a break, even a one, he scored 187. Uh, this guy's supposed to be my stepping stone to Bailey Smith. But if he keeps this sort of thing up, I might not need to do that trade. But regardless, super happy off 350k. He's gone up 85k in one week and he saved my score for the week. So thank you, Harry. And I guess Mike McVay. All right. In terms of our top scorers for our super coach coach groups, the top scorer in our main group was 2138 Alex's team in a sanctum. That was a top hundred score for the round. So congrats to him, moved him up into the top 5k. And in our Patreon group, top score there was Bruce's team Shuin with a 2128 pushing him up into the 6K mark. So congratulations to both those two huge scores. 2100s, I wasn't necessarily expecting to see those. It must have been a pretty good week for some folk in the community. All right, this week we're going to talk about players fresh off the round 13 buy. So exciting to have another class of buy-free players. Got a few questions saying that this is likely where some teams are going to be finishing their upgrades. So 
potentially people waiting for Rory Laird or Jordan Dawson. There's plenty of attractive trade-in targets to capture for the run home. And we're going to go through line by line, essentially, and just pick out who we think some of the players of interest are and have a bit of a comparison around uh, who you might target depending on the line that you're looking at. We're not going to look at last week's buy free players because I think we covered that in reasonable depth and we'll kick on with the back line. So Tom Stewart and Jordan Dawson are the two that I think headline there. I think Stewart's shown ridiculous scoring potential already this season, but his price tag's quite high. And Jordan Dawson, I think probably the most attractively plays very good opposition being the Adelaide team that still has, I think, two North Melbourne games and a West Coast game to go. So I know Laird's a hot target and Jordan Dawson should be uh, in similar calculations. How would you compare Stewart versus Dawson? I think I'd probably just pay the extra 35k for Stewart. Dawson's not particularly cheap. He's at 566k. You know, he, he has a very good run coming home and he's played really well this year. But I think Stewart seems to me to be a cut above almost anyone else. He's averaging 113 and that's with a concussion game. He's been just absolutely incredible this year. I think he's probably, for me, a pretty clear D1. Um, so I'd probably actually spend up for Stewart. But I wouldn't fault anyone for going Dawson or even um, looking at Dawson as a guy to potentially um, bring it alongside Stewart. Yeah, I like the way you're thinking there, CJ. I agree that Stewart's in a bit of a league of his own in the back line. Sicily's probably the only other one that you could say is even competing. I, I guess Hewitt's scored very consistently, but doesn't sort of have that same top end that Stewie and, and Sicily have. And obviously Sicily on the bye this week, he's not really an option. It will be a bit of a bit of pill to swallow with Tom Stewart. The break even's at 137 and the sub-affected 39's going to stick around and the 174 will cycle out. So he, he is projected to lose about you know, close to 50K over the next two weeks. But I guess the other thing about his upcoming schedule is West Coast this week, then Richmond, then North Melbourne. So two very nice opponents in his next three games. And just looking ahead, there's still another West Coast game to go. That's uh, in the final round, also at GMHBA Stadium, which I think is a, a happy hunting ground for Tommy Stewart. It's possible, you know, while he's projected to lose 50K, it could be much less than that. He could only drop around so 20, 30K, given his upside. And I think has to be considered as even a you know, potential VC option over the next couple of weeks with that opposition coming. I, I'm certainly thinking pretty long and hard about putting the V on Tom Stewart this week. I think he's averaging 160 plus in games at GMHBA Stadium this year. And the Cats still have five games down there. I think the narrow ground suits him. It allows him to zone off and just that extra kind of few meters of wing width really allows him to get to more contests and take more intercept mark. If he plays at GMHBA, he's very hot in my VC considerations. What about you, Marcus? Another Geelong supporter? Are you going to be advocating the, the Crows player? <laughs> no, I think you're right. Like, he's averaging 120 before that injury affected 39. Um, he does seem to be the top defender. I think Dawson's a sneaky chance to average 115 from here with the run that Adelaide have on the run home. Like, it includes Hawthorne as well. It's not particularly tough run of opposition that they have coming up. Even the top eight contenders are the ones on the fringe, like Gold Coast and, and Collingwood. Hard games against, well, I guess, Melbourne and Carlton. 
and Sydney, but generally a pretty cruisy draw across the last five scored more than a hundred, uh, in each of the last five games, averaging about 116. He's a sneaky chance of doing 115, maybe even 120 if he gets a clean run at it. So I, I just think the upside is definitely there. He's somebody that I think, you know, in terms of potential side swap options, uh, is a, a pretty good candidate for people who already have Tom Stewart as well. All right, let's move to the midfield. We've got Tuke Miller, Rory Laird, and Callum Mills as the three main guys to talk about. The ranking here is going to be pretty tough really picking between the best of the best options here uh, all look like top eight contenders for the year Laird's probably the headline just because of the draw i reckon but callum mills and took miller both have the capacity to pump out 160 plus scores how would you rank the three Laird's probably the one that scares me the most as a non-owner he's just been you know the definition of consistency this year it started with a 93 in his first game back and then hasn't dropped below 100 uh, ever since and sort of peppers in some pretty nice scores along the way. He hasn't seemed to go particularly high end this year, but in years gone by, he, he has shown that ability. If anything, the pain could be about to get worse with Laird, particularly with that run home that you mentioned, Marcus. So I'd have him right at the top and then potentially I'd put Miller in next just for the 50k saving you get between him and Mills. Mills has probably shown as good an upside as anyone else in the comp this year with some of his scores, but at the same time can go reasonably low, which I guess Took has, has done too, but I think I'd take the 50K saving. So I'd probably put it Laird, Took, and then Mills in third, but it's a pretty tough four competition, that one. So it's a rough trot for Callum Mills to be coming last place in that one. Yeah, I think I tend to agree with you there, Faz. Um, Laird is the guy who I think I might bring in this week. Uh, I'm kind of tossing up between Laird or McRae for my last midfield slot. I did some sideways shenanigans trading out McRae last week. So I am actually thinking about bringing in Laird instead of McRae. The other guy who hasn't been mentioned, if you do need someone who's a little bit cheaper, uh, is Ben Keyes. Obviously playing for Adelaide still has the same great draw that Dawson and Laird have. He's been a paragon of consistency this year, only one score below a hundred and seemed to really be having a bit of a breakout season, was on an absolute heater to start the year was averaging 125 after his first four games, but I think kind of slowed down a little, but given how soft uh, the draw looks, if you need someone who's not quite um, in the 600k plus bracket, if you kind of scrap for cash, I think um, Keyes is a pretty good shout with that soft draw and his scoring history. Yeah, for 550, there's definitely some value there. Um, I think probably maybe more comparable to the uh zach merritt pick potentially mm. than these three guys who threatened for a bit more um he scored 128 and 149 in the first two rounds before laird played um and that's two of his three highest scores and in the last six rounds i think his highest score is 117 so he's more in that 100 bracket than sort of the 110s don't mind that selection at all for somebody looking for value, but if you've got the cash, the splash, probably take uh, one of the top end options. Even if you are looking to save cash, if you didn't end up picking Merritt last week, I think 
Merritt versus Keys is also still pretty close. Outside of that, I think I agree. Laird, uh, Miller, Mills would be the way that I'd go. They all look like they have reasonable draws, but Miller also has some um, reasonable games to come for Gold Coast. Still a game against West Coast, Hawthorne, North Melbourne, Adelaide next round, Collingwood and Richmond, who both led up some points to midfielders. So I think he's got a pretty nice run there as well. Right, into the rucks, and we've got Jared Witts off the bye. Um, I think Witts is probably my pick to be the best ruck for the rest of the year. Like, Gorn hasn't been super consistent. His big scores have come against soft opposition or no opposition. Darcy has probably the best ceiling of anyone in the game, but has been very up and down this year. Witts has just been getting it done week after week. So I'd feel pretty confident locking Witts in as a great ruck option it's a lot more open than in previous years in the rucks normally it was a very clear Gorn Grundy don't even think about it daylight to the next ruck but I think this year we're seeing um yeah with the emergence of Luke Jackson and Darcy being one of the most injury prone players in the cult and obviously Grundy not playing there's a bit more variance appearing but I think Wits is just a very safe very solid pick has been in awesome form this year and I think if you need a ruck upgrade is a pretty safe one to take. I think the other thing with Wits is that all the other contenders for best rucks in the comp pretty much are on by this week. So you've got Gorn and Darcy that you mentioned, Brody Grundy obviously injured. Darcy Cameron's been scoring pretty well in Grundy's absence. I, I think that gives Wits in answer to your question marks of who's the best ruck for the rest of the season. You've sort of got that freebie for Wits that he gets this week essentially against nobody. Most teams have probably traded out Hayes from their R3, there's a bit of talk of, of Tikal getting a, a debut this week, but probably unlikely. That's a score compared to zero for most of the other leading ruck contenders in the comp. Really think that's quite a good trade in this week. English is the only other one who's playing this week, but he's probably more falls into the forward discussion that we're about to have. What about Brandon um, Proust? Proust, well, <laughs> he'll average very well. Please come he, back, please. I, he, I need him to come back this week. <laughs> he'll have a sensational average, but he only plays at half of every game, so, or one in every two games. So, Seems like uh, Spike hates him as well, so I'm not confident he even gets a game this week. Sounds yeah. like it was a bit of a returning from illness thing, <laughs> so I, mm. I think we will see him uh, soon. Definitely needs to be this week for those that held him, but in saying that, I still think Wits has him covered uh, oh, just on a scoring basis. Mark McFay described their ruck division as getting smashed on the weekend. So uh, if Proust is back to fitness, I think he'll probably make his way back into the side this week. Um, but agree, which does look pretty good being the buy free option. I think the only challenge there is 620 means that I don't think you're exposed to a lot of upside with wits, but probably a, a fair bit of downside. And there has been question marks, I guess, in terms of the Ruck opposition that he has faced um, in, in racking up a big score, but looking forward, I don't necessarily see that getting too much worse as Riley O'Brien, but then Lysette's not going to be back the week after for the Port Adelaide game. They went with Finlayson and Dixon this last week. Then you've got Cameron for Collingwood, then Richmond Essendon. Like, there's not too many scary uh, ruck lineups to come. And probably a reflection of the fact that there's quite a few injuries in the ruck landscape at the moment. All right, let's move on to the forward line and uh, helped by Tim English, who you referenced there, Faz. Put him in the forwards because I, I think you 
it's easier to find two top scoring rucks than six top scoring forwards. But we did get some questions about people playing Tim English in the rucks and it's not the worst idea depending on the, the makeup of your team. Two other players to discuss, Bontempelli and Luke Parker, all fresh off the bye. And uh, seems like Bailey Smith uh, may be in for further extension of his suspension. Uh, wondering if you might also consider a side swap from Bailey Smith if he gets another couple of weeks to, you know, maybe a fellow Bulldog forward um, or, or Luke Parker. I think you'd definitely be looking at Baz Smith going out of the side if there's if there's any extension to that suspension, particularly with we've still got one week of buys left. And if most teams are like mine, you sort of still, you know, need a, a few things to go right to get the full 18 on the park this week. Whereas in some weeks it's premium versus rookie replacement. This week could be premium versus a donut on field. Uh, I'd certainly be looking at side swap of, of Baz uh, if there's any news on that one. I'm probably a little scared of Bontempelli. They were talking about a bit of a shoulder injury leading into the bye and saying that the week off would be good for him. Obviously, you know, he's now had a bit of an extended break, but whether that will impact him in the back half of the season, you know, remains to be seen. So I think of those three, I'd be looking between English and Parker. If you've got the money, I think English is the pick because he's just really sort of having a breakout year, covering the ground exceptionally well and the dogs just treat him as another midfielder. Sometimes you see they're a bit scared to put the ball in the hands of the Ruckman, but that's certainly not the case with English at the Bulldogs. But if you can't afford English, then I think Parker's a, a pretty great option too. He's continuing to play a lot of time in the midfield and he sort of had a, a big patch of scoring early in the season. It's tapered off a little, but good role, proven scorer in the past. Nothing wrong with that selection whatsoever. Parker feels like a very safe, reliable pick. I think there's probably not the upside there that there is with English or Bontempelli, but he does represent a fairly consistent, safe option. I'd probably still go Bont over him. Bont's been playing injured for pretty much the entire year. He's been resting forward. He hasn't really had a proper run in the midfield, and I think he's still averaging five points per game more than Parker. He's one of the players who just seems to have a very champion data-friendly game. He seems to always score well in big moments, um, kicks goals, gets a lot of contested football. So I think I'd go English, then Bontempelli, then Parker in my, in my rankings, just because Bont's upside is pretty phenomenal. He was one of the players that you'd be watching from behind the couch if you didn't own him last year. He's had some very kind of consistent big streaks, and he hasn't had one yet this year, so I'd probably chase the upside there on Bont rather than going for Parker personally. I think if you take the last eight games, Parker's actually averaging 110 plus. So I think he's gone a little bit under the radar in terms of some of his upside since he resumed more of a prominent midfield mm. role after starting the season, having to play up forward a bit because of the depleted forward line due to injuries at one stage. Given the choice between Bont and Parker, Bont still shows a fair bit more upside. 30K is the price difference. It's probably small enough to not look to save the cash if you have it. But if you are worried about that AC joint injury that Faz mentioned, Parker uh, may not be presenting as much downside to Bont and Pelly than what you would assume, I guess, looking at his 104 average for the season. In terms of English over wits, if you were looking for a Ruckman this week, we actually take English over wits with the flexibility of potentially trading an injured forward to a Ruckman down the line or something like that. 
Yeah, it's a tough one. I'd probably take English just because I love a bit of ruck forward DPP. I think the flexibility that English offers um, is probably worth it overgoing, which considering they're very, very similarly priced. Yeah, I think in an ideal world, you'd get both. But if you're going to get one first, I'd probably think about getting English and then allowing kind of to swing him forward. You're more likely to get one of your six forwards injured than one of your two rucks. So yeah, I think English is probably my pick over wits. Cool. And last player for a potential trade-in, and this is not endorsed by me now that he's got up (laughs) to 435k, but uh, you both mentioned in the pre-show about Harry Himmelberg and whether or not he could keep this type of scoring up playing in the back line. The three games since his move to the back line with Mark McVeigh, 80, 126, and 187. Are you gents thinking seriously about bringing Himmelberg in at 435? He still presents some upside, but obviously uh, has not maintained premium scoring for a patch in his career so far. I'm definitely considering Himmelberg huge negative break even this week. I guess as you'd expect of a 180 score, but he's at negative 61 break even. And with the projected scores of 81 and 96, he'll get himself up to 530k over the next two weeks. So that's really where I'm looking at this because I'm currently trying to deal with the Jordan Degoe shaped dog turd in my side. Uh, <laughs> and so I sort of depleted most of my cash with upgrades last week. So I'd either be sort of looking to do a uh, downgrade and upgrade to get to go to someone decent. And I mentioned I've already got English and Parker, and I mentioned my reservations about Bont and Pelly before. I think Bont's the guy that I probably end up going to, but if I jump on Himmelberg and sort of ride that wave and get him up a hundred K, then it could be a side swap to Bont rather than having to burn two trades to bring Bont into my side. And also just lets me, you know, look at Bont for another couple of weeks to see um, how that shoulder's holding up. So that that's probably my thinking at the moment. If I've got to trade out Parrish as well, then the question sort of becomes whether I look at doing Parrish down to someone like a Ben Keys, a sort of fringe top tier midfielder, and then use that extra cash to grade Dugowie, or do I go Parrish up to sort of a Laird, a, a genuine bona fide premium, which I think would be my preference, and then... In that case, I'm again forced to look at a sort of more sideways move for Jordan Dugowie. So that's sort of where Himmelberg comes into consideration for me. I think if you've got enough cash and you'd, if you're side swapping a higher priced player, you can get to someone reasonable for it. I can certainly see foregoing Himmelberg, but just the sort of potential price rise from him and then the outside chance that this is a more permanent shift in his scoring. Feels like a bit of a not entirely risk-free roll of the dice, but it, you know you get to have a, a bit of a flutter on this one without too much risk associated. You need to have two trades budgeted if you're taking him. I don't think you can pick him thinking that you're going to keep him for the rest of the season. I think that's probably a bit optimistic and potentially a bit bit foolhardy. But if your cash generation stalled a little bit, what he does offer you is the ability to potentially get to a top line guy. So for me, I'm contemplating taking him because I've currently got English. Uh, sitting in my ruck line, as well as Proust. If Proust doesn't get up this week, I'm very likely to go Proust to Himmelberg because it allows me to delay the decision on which uh, second ruck I take for a couple of weeks. And I could go to a cup price Sean Darcy or potentially get me a little bit closer to going just straight to Wits as my R2. So I think he does afford a bit of flexibility, but if you're low on trades, it's probably better to spend the extra one now to get to going up to someone who 
to finish your forward line, getting someone who's a bona fide premium rather than hoping Kimmelberg will get you through the season. But as a two or three week step ladder, I think he's not a bad option. Yeah, I probably wasn't thinking about him as much as a step ladder at, at this stage, but that could certainly work out. Would Heaney at 449 or, or Tom Hawkins at 456 tempt at all as alternates to, to Himmelberg? For me, it's more about cash generation, so probably not. I can just swing Bond forward and my forward line's pretty happy and looking relatively solid. Um, I guess my worst forward is still Butters, but I could look at upgrading. But the way I see it, there's kind of a clear top few in um, Bond and Pelly, Dunkley, English, and Parker are clear cut above a lot of the other forward options. And then you've got a lot of people have Cogs or Brody filling out their forward line or butters. After that, it's a bit of a bit of a lottery. So I think, um, yeah, if you, if you don't have those kind of four top line guys, I look at having, getting them in, but probably take him over Heaney just because the cash generation that he offers, allowing you to get up to an actual bona fide premium is probably worth it in my eyes. Yeah, I agree with that. I don't, I'm not keen to trade, uh, to go into another fringe premium like Keeney might end up being. <laughs> I'm keen to get to one of the, the real deal guys, but you know, I might end up having to be the two trade route that, that we mentioned of sort of right, riding Hillberg's price increase to get there. Final topic for the week, thoughts on Will Brody as a keeper. So we did get quite a few questions about that from our patrons, both Stephen and James are considering whether or not to keep Will Brody. He had his first sub-100 game in a little bit with Fife being back, and that's probably triggered the question as well. He also is still having a fantastic season and didn't really play much less time on ground, or I think it was still at 67 compared to 69 and 70 the week be weeks before. Thoughts on Will Brody at 565K? It is a pretty healthy price point. You considering a side swap, or will you be holding through? To me, I think he's probably worth a hold. He still had, I think, the most center bounces of any Fremantle player. You would love to watch another week with Fife in the side to see whether it's really actually impacting him. But he did also only go at 54% disposal efficiency. So I think that was actually one of the biggest killers of his score rather than being highly impacted by Fife and having slightly lower time on ground. I think 67% is pretty par for the course for him. The knock's always been on his motor. He's had a few games with a higher time on ground percentage, but he tends to be pretty good at scoring when he is on the field. For me, I think he's a hold this week. I've got a few other guys who I'd probably feel less confident in kind of slotting into being top of their position. I think F5 and F6, as kind of said before, there's a lot, lot more latitude given to the quality of player that's kind of filling out that spot. Yeah, whether it's Brody or Canelio, I think... Yeah, he's probably a wait and see for me, but I, I wouldn't fault anyone for trading him. I just think it's uh, probably a little bit aggressive. Yeah, I can certainly see the arguments for considering it. Freo had a pretty easy start to the year, so the back half of the year is is a lot tougher. Playing pretty much, it's not all top eight sides, but they're all pretty decent. There's one game against West Coast, but outside of that, all reasonable opposition. There's the uncertainty around Fife's return and what impact that has. But I think you hit the nail on the head there, Siege, in terms of, you know, this is a good opportunity to fix any other mistakes throughout your, your side. And, and that's sort of the luxury that the buys present to you is the ability to side swap underperforming guys, particularly 
guys like this that have their buy in the last of the buy rounds. And so if you're fortunate enough that Brody is either your most questionable or sort of borderline your most questionable, then I can certainly see an argument for it. But, you know, as, as I mentioned many times throughout the show, Dugowie is my pain point that I'm getting rid of. And I suspect teams probably have some other guys in there that are a bit more deserving of a trade out right now than Brody. Yeah, I definitely think Brody's a keeper. I think the only time where I can count more forwards than, you know, I would want and maybe threaten a person like Brody's spot in the top six is when Bailey Smith gets back in. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think he's pretty comfortable F6 at the moment and uh, wouldn't be necessarily looking to trade him out either. All right, that wraps up our main show. We're going to hop on over to record some bonus content for our patrons now. Thank you, gents, both for your insight. Hopefully you have a fantastic last round of the buys and we see our Super Coach Coach community push back up in those ranks. Any final thoughts, Faz? Yeah, just on my uh, trade plans for this week, Darcy Parrish, and I'm sure there's a few coaches out there that are umming and ahhing about him. Uh, just keep in mind that Essendon have West Coast in two weeks' time and then still haven't played North for the year. So as uh, as tempting as it'll be to trade out Darcy Parrish, it, it might be good to look for another option as a trade-out because uh, he seems like he could uh, really explode against those two oppositions. Yeah, good goal. I think got a bit unlucky with the calf knock there. CJ? Oh, it's, yeah, that's a terribly unlucky trade, I think. You and I, Marcus, both had... Parish and our teams right up until the bounce and then audible into something else when, uh, Jacob Ware was named. So, yeah. Oh, you, yeah. You knocked that out of the park. I want in Sinclair, so I still feel reasonably clever good. about it. Yeah. I think that's a good shout Faz. For me, I think, um, it's not probably not super relevant for next week, but uh, talking about the buyers, I think one of the best ways to consider the buyers is actually is one large round. It doesn't matter how well you've done in any one round individually. I think it matters how well you've done across all three. So if you can push a 1900 to 2000 average across the buy rounds, you will have done very well. And the best coaches moving forward tend to consider them holistically as three games that are all part of the one round rather than as individually. So maybe that's something to keep in mind for next year and something to kind of make you feel a bit better. If you have one bad week and two really good ones, you still averaged out to having a good buy series. So yeah, something to congratulate yourself for. Yep. For listeners keeping track, I am now ahead of Mark, uh, after pipping him <laughs> only my fourth week this season, but, uh, back ahead. So I hope Mark's listening. It's a three week block, mate. <laughs> no, he specifically said we couldn't mention that. So. <laughs> he did remind us to not say anything. He almost got away with it. I, but I had to, had to put it in there right at the end. There's a good chance he misses this. Anyway, all the best to our community. Good luck and looking forward to seeing how things shake out after the third round of the buys. See ya. Thank you. Bye.